Hey gorgeous, this is episode number 126. Hi, this is Matthew Kimberly and you're listening to Heart Cells podcast with Christine Schlomsky. Enjoy. Have you ever wondered what sophisticated selling is? Well, today's amazing expert, Matthew Kimberley, will let us know about sophisticated selling, why you need to do it, what it is, how you can do it with ease, and why you can enjoy a lot of fun doing it. Matthew Kimberley helps small business owners enjoy more fun, freedom, and flow, and that is also what we are having in this interview, a lot of fun and flow. Matthew is the creator of Professional Persuasion, Delightful Emails, and The Single Malt Mastermind. He has an amazing podcast, How to Get a Grip, and he wrote a book of the same name. So have fun in tuning in. All the podcast show notes, the transcripts, and all the links to Matthew are at christineschlonsky.com under the podcast tab. Enjoy the episode. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show today, Matthew. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, Christine. Yes, and we both have a coming topic called sales, which we love. And I love your approach because you're talking about sales done in a way that's sophisticated. So can you give us a little bit of a background? Like what do you understand by sophisticated? And you know, what do people do that's not sophisticated when they sell? So sophisticated and complicated, I believe are opposite ends of the spectrum you know people say people often talk about sophistication as being with added extras you know this is for a more sophisticated audience generally means that this has extra onion layers added to it to increase what is actually complexity and i believe the opposite is true for sales in order for i i i guess the kind of scandinavian design school of selling, which is less is more. And if you can absolutely master the fundamentals, the material, the workmanship, the craftsmanship, the finishings, um, the, the fundamental structure, if you can get that down pat, then that's 90% of your job done in selling. Um, I've been in professional sales for really my entire career. And, and even when I was a, a kid, I was, I was a street performer who learned pretty quickly to ask for the sale. You know, don't clap, throw money. Um, and, and over the years, I've seen that you do kind of reach a plateau with regards to information and you can learn closes and you can learn strategies and you can learn openers and you can learn pivots and you can learn, you can read a thousand books, but you're not necessarily going to be a better salesperson than in your first six months of your career when actually you follow the basic principles incredibly carefully, incredibly diligently. And if you can master the basics, then I believe you are a sophisticated salesperson. It's also a rallying cry against insulting the intelligence of your prospect, which I'm a big, you know, I see it so frequently in every industry. Um, I, I, do because I, I run a remote business I do tend to pay particular attention to the online marketing opportunity sales people but it's the same in car sales it's the same in white goods sales it's the same in b2b sales it's where you assume a level of stupidity in your prospect um, and you feel inclined to be less than honest you feel I've seen it in many industries you feel inclined to 
pull the wool over people's eyes um, or overcomplicate things again um, or, or, or oversimplify things on the assumption that your prospect doesn't get it. So I, the idea of sophistication for me is that you treat the prospect as an equal, possibly somebody who needs to be educated on your opportunity and you present all the information to them. And if it's in their best interest, you can help them get over the line. And if it's not, you help them get away from you. Yeah, I love that approach. Uh, I call it heart sells <laughs> because you really, you are authentic. You bring your own values to the table and you assume that your prospect, which I call the soulmate clients, are on your level. They just don't know what you know. That's why they need you, but they are equally smart. And, Absolutely right. And, you know, you don't need to treat them uh, like a three-year-old just to get them into your programs. So I love, I love that approach. I guess everybody who's listening, us included, have been in a situation where they were treated like they were not smart enough or not intelligent enough. Maybe we all remember walking away from a sale because it didn't feel good. Yeah, and it comes down to intellectual honesty as well. You know, I, I probably, like you, Christina, subscribe to dozens, if not hundreds of newsletters. I like to see what's happening in the marketplace. I like to see what my competition are doing. I like to see what my colleagues are doing. And the, the kind of intellectual dishonesty that goes with the yellow highlighter, all caps, urgent subject lines, you must do this immediately, you must buy now, you must grab this opportunity because it's the best thing ever. Now these people do, they do it for a reason. Right? because they understand the correlation between ramping up excitement and emotion and getting people across the finishing line. Um, but I feel that I'd rather sleep at night. And if I think something is the best thing ever, and, and sometimes that is true in categories, you know, this particular piece of software, this particular pair of shoes, this particular automobile, if you're looking for... Um, I don't know, efficiency with regards to its miles per gallon or something like that. Occasionally, I'm very happy to say, honestly, when it comes to time management, you've got to do this program. Or when it comes to understanding business building, this book is the gold standard. And I think when, but, but I'm not going to say you've got to do this, it's the best thing ever every week. And I see some of my contemporaries doing that. And I think that kind of, um, you get off a blindness after a while as a consumer. Um, and, and I can't trust you. I can't trust you if last week this was the thing that's going to put a million dollars in my pocket. And then this week there's a new thing, which is the only thing that's going to put a million dollars in my pocket. So I think it's, I think it's about choosing your, um, ch choosing what you're going to get behind. It's what you stand for. And I'm sure this, this really resonates with you and heart selling. Uh, you, you have a duty to uh, look after the people who are trusting you with their attention and their money and their trust. Um, and, and you've got to do that according to your values in order that they can see who you are and you can attract the right kind of person. Book yourself solid, which is the best um, yeah. business building book uh, ever written. Talks about having two things, an ideal client um, uh, policy. It's called a red velvet rope policy. So there are some people you're meant to serve and others not so much. Um, and you get to decide who's going to work with you, but your clients also get to decide, but you can't make a decision without information, which means you need to show them 
who you are, what you're about, whether it's good for them. Now, they may not believe as much as you believe that what you have is good for them. At which point, I believe it's perfectly ethical to apply some persuasion tactics or some persuasive language or some incentivization. Hey, you know, what you really need is this. I genuinely believe that the best thing for me is you. I genuinely believe that the best car for you is this car. I genuinely believe that the best bookkeeping service is this one. So I'm going to help you make that decision and I'm going to favor you. But still caveat to emptor and they have to be the ones who are making the final decision. Yeah, yeah. And I, I see when I see that in the market with my clients or the people I interact with, I think like owning their own awesomeness, making sure that what they deliver, they believe in is one key point, right? Because people kind of know, well, I have this special gift or I have this talent and now I want to monetize it. I want to serve other people with it. But then when it comes in making the offer, they might not be as solid in their own belief that they can make it happen. Absolutely right. And confidence, and um, I was discussing this with some friends of mine last night, actually. Uh, it's about personal leadership. Um, it's difficult to lead others to the sale or in your program or in the hairdressing salon chair if, you're not, if you don't believe that you can lead yourself as well. And confidence, you know, sales is binary. People either do it or they don't. Um, Christine, you could have a $100 widget that you're selling and I could have a $100 widget that, we're, that I'm selling to the same audience who have the same needs and we receive the same training and the same script and we will have completely different results. You may far outsell me or I may far outsell you and it may depend what kind of breakfast we've had or what kind of, uh, whether or not we've had a fight with our boyfriend or our girlfriend the night before, you know, all of yeah. these things count. So self-leadership and, and responsibility are key. You know, I believe people talk about entrepreneurship being a correlation between risk and rewards. Like those who take the biggest risks get the biggest rewards. But I think the missing piece uh, that's often overlooked is actually the correlation between responsibility and reward. So if you're prepared to take enhanced responsibility, you get to in, enjoy enhanced rewards. If you take responsibility for your relationships, you will be rewarded with more fulfilling relationships. If you take responsibility for making sure your children are wearing shoes and getting to school on time, then you'll be rewarded with happier, better educated children. If you take responsibility for making sure that people are buying your stuff, you will be rewarded with more customers. And so I, rather than risk, which is scary for a lot of people, I say, well, no, forget about risk. You are a responsible individual. It's within you. Go and run with it. So many, so fascinating, I think, the psychology of selling. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Can we go down a little bit, taking responsibility for making the sale, for inviting your prospect when you see that your product or service is the best solution for them? Because I so often see that people have wonderful conversations. You really see they are the expert. They know something, what you potentially need. But when it comes to making an offer, they kind of start freezing up or losing momentum or the situation becomes kind of weird. How can people understand that part of taking responsibility in this moment where they really need to show up for their clients to actually make that offer? Yep. So the reason that it gets weird is 
at that point. So you might be having a perfectly comfortable conversation with somebody in front of you and you're thinking, well, they'd make a great prospect and they might be thinking, wow, I'd make a great prospect. And you might both be thinking, wow, we should totally work together. Uh, but you haven't broached that subject yet. And so making the transition from being friendly to being having a commercial relationship is the weird bit, right? People say that they don't like selling because they're afraid of rejection, which I understand. They say they're afraid of success, which I don't understand. Um, I mean, I, I get it, you know, people deliberately play small, but if they were handed a big bucket full of success, they take it, right? Maybe they just don't want to be yeah. disappointed. Maybe they don't want to be disappointed in their efforts not paying off, but I don't think it's being afraid of success. But I think what people are genuinely afraid of is changing the nature of the relationship from being non-commercial to being commercial because they occupy completely different spaces in our psyche. If we go to a barbecue, we relax. If we walk into a store, we don't relax so much because we know, well, maybe we do if we love shopping, but if we walk into a situation where we know we're going to have to spend money, then we don't relax. So they occupy different spaces in our head and you go from relaxed to tense. And that there's an awful lot of friction getting to that point. So my absolutely preferred way of guiding, guaranteeing that sales conversations will end in an offer, my absolutely preferred way, it's not always possible, is to begin every conversation about that could lead to a sale with these words. You know, the purpose of today's conversation, I understand, is that we're going to determine whether or not we should work together. Do you agree? Or Great, thanks for chatting. Just so I'm right, the topic of this conversation is to work out whether or not we're gonna do business. And if the customer says yes, or the prospect says yes, then fantastic, you're, all, you're, you're doing it, and you can just cut to the chase. And then you can do everything as normal. And you can say, right, good, so here's what typically happen. I will ask you some questions, then I will tell you some stuff, um, then you can ask me some questions, and then at the end of it, we'll decide whether or not I should make you an offer. Does it sound fair? And you've already, all the tension has disappeared because you've mapped out the journey. You know, lack of or, or, or tension or fear comes from the unknown. And if you can say, this is exactly what our path is going to look like, they've got their eyes open. You've switched the lights on. So that's my absolutely preferred way of doing it. So I'm not a big fan of free strategy sessions or free coaching calls or call us for a chat, you know, uh, call us for a, uh, to discuss whether or not we should work together is much better. You know, let's have a sales conversation or even something as simple as, you know, speak to our head of sales rather than our head coach. Something like that can help. Um, but I do understand that sometimes you've met someone and you don't know at the beginning of the conversation that it's going to lead to a sales conversation. They happen to say something, you go, oh, I could help you with that. Uh, and, and so I like to use the book yourself solid method, which is, um, what is it specifically that you need help with? And they may say, Oh, I don't know, losing, losing 20 kilos. Okay. Right. And then you ask, why is that important to you? And this is the traditional gap stretching exercise that most salespeople do the difference between today and tomorrow. You know, what happens if you stay where you are and what will life look like if you change? What will life look like if you have a new car, if you have a new freezer, if you paint your house, if you lose 20 kilos. And so you get them to tell you future pace it. They say, Oh, well, you know, I'm, my kids will respect me more. I might get promoted. I'll have more sex. I'll enjoy uh, uh, a better relationship with myself. And, and you go, okay, great. And then you can say, well, would you like someone to help you with that? With a smile on your face. At which point they will either say yes, no, or it depends. 
And that's great. We welcome each one of those answers. If they say yes, you say, oh, fantastic. Uh, because you know, I eat problems like that for breakfast. It's firmly in my wheelhouse. How would you like the person to help you with that? Be me. At which point they will say yes, no, or how much does it cost? And boom, you're having a sales conversation. <laughs> you know? um, and if they say no, I don't want someone to help with that. Uh, previous question, you go, that's okay, that's fine. Uh, or if they say it depends, how much does it cost? You go, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about how I work. And all of a sudden you've just effortlessly moved into having a conversation about stuff to being asked to present your prices. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You mentioned a little bit earlier that you are not a big fan of like free strategy sessions, free come in and let's have a chat kind of things. What kind of advice could you give our listeners to get a better approach? They serve, they definitely serve a purpose, you know, um, but I think we have to call them what they are. So, you know, and, and, and that is all in the framing of the offer. So a free strategy session and a sales conversation are pretty much the same thing. And they will follow exactly the same pattern with the caveat that I always prefer that everybody knows that there will be an offer at the end because then they yeah. can relax and you can actually get more out of it um, rather than the tension you come. So tell me about this. Okay, then they go, okay, then so now it's time for you to make me your offer and they don't want to get there or they're afraid they can't afford it before they come on board and I prefer to get rid of that. So it's all about the framing beforehand. You know? um, it's easy to get somebody on the phone if they think it's for free stuff. It's less easy to get somebody on the phone if they are aware that this is a commercial opportunity. But I think it's our responsibility to attract aware buyers. We're not doing, I mean, in its worst, it's a bait and switch. And I don't think many people are doing that, but you know, we can change your life with one strategy session. Um, most people don't say, but you do see people buying tickets to multi-speaker events, for example. Uh, 50 euros or $50 or 50 pounds will get you a whole day of business building strategies and advice, and here are the headliners, and here's all the things that you will learn. And what, you, what is actually happening is you're going to be pitched at for one day or two days. There'll be eight speakers a day, each one selling you their $1,000, $1,000 euro, $1,000 pound program. And I think that is, I've, I've participated in those events. I've spoken at those events. I've sold at those events. I, I have a problem with the, the, not with the event, but with the language around it. So what about, it's going to be harder work to get people into your strategy session if you say, let's discuss a sales opportunity. And it's going to be harder work to get people to your event if you say, come and listen to eight um, valuable, interesting, informative, educational sales pitches. But I think we're actually doing our, our customers a favor and we're, we're pushing ourselves harder which is not a bad thing, in order to attract a better quality prospect. I you know, get to the end of a sales presentation, you go, so while you're here, let me tell you about a special offer that we have on today. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have any money, nor am I interested in buying anything. I would rather have found that out before they booked the call. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, that's yeah. such a waste of time. And if you, you could use it for marketing research, But, um, you know, if it's not your ideal client because they don't have any budget, then it's really not worth your time. The best marketing research, uh, I believe, is getting people to pay for things, right? So I, I think what, if you ask people, some, if you ask someone their opinion, they will tell you whatever, really, because the stakes are low. You know, that awful question, would you buy? 
if I created this thing, would you buy it? Well, that's the wrong question because people say yes because there's you know no stakes. Okay, great, it's here. You got to buy it, and they'll say, ah, oh, well, let me just check my credit line or let me just talk to my husband. You know, it's, it's easy to say yes to a to a hypothetical. Whereas actually getting people to buy.